For centuries, humans have been growing alongside our botanical brethren. Our histories have mixed and mingled to bring us modern medical marvels, faded folklore, and everything in between. Of course, in order to understand the plant, we have to start with its roots. I'm M. Governor Gaddis, and this is Rooted. Hello, and welcome back to another week of Rooted. This week, we're digging into the neem tree, a plant you've likely used but maybe never even heard of. The neem tree, or Azadaracta indica, is a member of the mahogany family with relatives like mangroves, crabwood trees, and white cedar. It's native to India, with a strong preference for arid, subtropical climates. It can handle quite high heat and doesn't need a ton of water for its size and dense foliage. However, they cannot tolerate cold. Their hardiness in heat and drought makes it quite difficult to prevent the trees from spreading, which is why some countries view them as a bit of a weed but they also provide a ton of shade, protection, and health benefits, so it's certainly one of the better weeds to have around. Neem trees are known for their dense, evergreen foliage, with dark green pointy leaves. These leaves look a lot like olive leaves to me, but are pointier for sure. They have a fragrant white bloom that are made up of lots of tiny little flowers, giving it the nickname Indian Lilac. The fruits of the neem tree are considered droops, meaning they're small, round fruits with a large seed or pit in the middle. These droops look a lot like olives as they are a light green color and extremely smooth. The fruits are edible with a slightly bittersweet pulp, which is used in a wide variety of traditional Indian dishes. If you're a gardener like me, you've likely heard of neem oil and maybe even used it as a suffocant for unwanted pests like aphids, mites, scale, and mealy. It's effective in this application because it's able to stick well to your plants while suffocating the critters you spray it in the oil. Or, in the case of fungus, trapping their spores so they can't spread. Neem leaves also have a scent that helps to repel other bugs like mosquitoes, which makes them a favorite for farmers and families alike. In fact, in India, neem trees have been used for centuries and are regarded as a cure-all due to their many benefits. The Vedas, which is the most ancient scripture in Hinduism, actually refers to neem trees as Savara Roga Nivaran, or one that cures all ailments. In Indian folklore, Neem is said to have obtained these divine properties sort of by accident. The story goes that Lord Indra, the god of Devas, was in a heated battle with some demons trying to snatch their nectar, because clearly they had bad intentions for it, and he was, quite frankly, tired of their shit. They had already created pests like mosquitoes, and honestly, he just didn't want to picture what else they were planning. As he was in a game of literal tug-of-war with these bozos, he managed to pry the container from their creepy little demon fingers, but not without spilling a few drops directly onto a neem tree. As luck would have it, the tree absorbed the healing powers from this nectar, 
and gained all of the health benefits and pest-repelling properties we love it for today. Take that, whichever demon brought us mosquitoes. That one was unhinged and uncalled for. In Hindu tradition, the neem tree is said to be the manifestation of the goddess Kali, who is the goddess of death of ego, which is the ultimate goal for humans in Hinduism. Kali is the embodiment of time, as well as the female form. Her name roughly translates as she who is black, and she most often resides in cemeteries, where she wears a necklace of skulls and drips blood as she treats all of creation like an all-you-can-eat buffet, using her 18 arms to aid in her path of destruction. While this description makes her sound awfully scary and unpleasant, according to those who worship her, that couldn't be further from the truth. She's doing most of this to remind us that eventually, life ends. And that in some sense, our whole world is really just a cemetery. In being reborn, we are once again left waiting for death. But Kari is encouraging us to let go of our ego so that we may end the cycle of rebirth and finally be at peace which is the ultimate goal of Hinduism. She's regarded as being one of the kindest gods because she offers salvation to those who take her advice. But it's not just Kali that's associated with Neem. There are several goddesses it's associated with across Hinduism, all to various extents. Neem is also often associated with skin care, and as such is also very closely tied to the goddess of skin ailments, both giving them to folks and curing them. There are two different goddesses who are credited with this power, Sitala in the north of India and Mariman in the south. In addition to those goddesses, Neem is also commonly associated with the occult goddess Yalama, who has multiple heads and is said to sometimes appear as a young Neem tree. Her followers often celebrate her in elaborate rituals where they not only cover themselves in neem leaves, but also hold them in their mouths as they complete different aspects of the celebration. On top of being associated with deities and being used in rituals to honor them, neem was often, and is still, used to ward off demons and other negative energies. This is typically done in one of two ways. The most common way is by burning the neem and letting the smoke cleanse the space like incense. However, it was also common for people to hang neem branches outside of their homes and in doorways, similar to garlic, as it was thought that negative energies would be repelled and unable to cross the threshold. Obviously, neem plays a massive role in Hinduism and in various other cultures and religions across India. And for good reason. Remember how I told you it was a cure-all? Well, this time I actually mean it. On top of being used to praise gods and repel demons, neem can be applied to a wide range of uses. In health, neem oil was commonly used in many different treatments, being used to solve everything from bad breath to ringworm. Starting with bad breath, Young neem twigs were often chewed in ancient India to help with cleaning the teeth and reducing bacteria on the gums 
because of the antimicrobial and antibacterial properties of neem. And because the twigs were good at getting in between the teeth, sort of like modern day floss, but way less comfortable. The antimicrobial and antibacterial properties also made neem a helpful addition to the medicine cabinet when it came to healing wounds, lesions, skin sores, and burns. Even treating ringworm. Often, this was done by applying neem topically, either as an oil or by crushing the leaves and mixing the resulting paste directly on top of the wound. But neem wasn't just effective at managing skin diseases. As we talked about earlier, neem was often and still is used to treat acne, as well as added to a variety of skin and hair care products, as neem oil can help to soften the skin and hair. Beyond beauty and health, neem brings a lot of benefits to the garden as well. Like we talked about earlier, neem is great at repelling pests like mosquitoes and gnats, as they really don't care for the smell of it. On top of that, neem oil is often used as an organic pesticide and fungicide when applied directly to the pest in question. Nowadays, these products are pretty easy to find in garden centers, but this certainly wasn't always the case. This brings up an interesting problem and source of heated debate in the plant industry centered around intellectual property and patenting plants or their specific uses. In the early 1900s, an American company filed a patent using neem oil as a fungicide. While the Indian government argued that this was a use of ancestral knowledge and therefore couldn't be patented, the company ended up winning the case. This is because they could legally claim that the active ingredient, the specific chemical compound that makes neem oil effective as a fungicide, was technically not ancestral knowledge because the ancestral knowledge was simply that it did work, but not specifically targeting how it worked. Insert eye roll here. In the years that followed, overharvesting and price gouging became a problem. The company purchased most of the supply, leaving very little for local use and causing prices to skyrocket. The very farmers who had shown the company how to use neem oil in the first place were left unable to afford it. Thankfully, the patent was overturned in 2004, eventually making neem more accessible. However, these farmers were never appropriately compensated by the company. Lack of appropriate compensation remains to be an issue India faces in the medicinal plant industry and beyond. Many companies make billions of dollars exploiting indigenous people's ancestral knowledge and practices, while those communities and countries see very little benefit from sharing these elements of their culture. In fact, situations like these often lead to mistrust and hesitancy to share ancestral knowledge, and rightfully so. However, in not being able to benefit from this knowledge, our society loses potential solutions to major medical problems and potentially allows vital aspects of many cultures to go unheard and unappreciated, potentially losing them one day completely. It's important to acknowledge that reality, especially on this podcast where we discuss a lot of ethnobotany and other cultural ancestral knowledge frequently.
It's a huge part of why I put emphasis on finding stories from the cultures these plants are from, and why I always do my best to tell these stories as authentically as I can. Luckily, people who are way smarter than me are working on a framework called the Heritable Innovation Trust Framework, which works to protect ancestral knowledge and the people sharing it, while also ensuring that any proceeds and credit are appropriately shared when companies use this knowledge to develop a product and potentially patent it. While it's certainly not perfect, we're making steps in the right direction here, and I think that's important to acknowledge too. Today, neem is still largely used for the same stuff it always has been. People still use it as a common additive to their natural beauty routines for softer hair and skin, in their gardens to deter pests, and even in herbal medicine to treat a variety of ailments. It remains to be a culturally significant plant in India, and still has an important role to play in many Hindu practices and traditions. If you live here in the U.S., you probably won't see neem trees outside of a greenhouse unless you happen to live in zones 9 and 10 with plenty of rainfall. So, pretty much just Florida. But if you do see one anytime soon, be sure to stop and say hello, and thank them for all the amazing things they have done for humans, but especially for sticking it to mosquitoes. They really are rock stars for that. If you liked the show, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Rooted.Pod. We're on YouTube at Rooted.Podcast, and check out our website, RootedPod.com, for transcripts, updates, and so much more. Thanks for being here, and until next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to the earth, and just like a plant, drink your water. <laughs>